Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Greetings, TRO listeners. Brian Ringer here. I am a hairy, middle-aged, white, cishet dude, and so's Robin. Nothing wrong with all that, but we want to freshen this place up and hear some other voices. If you are, first of all, a sport touring motorcyclist, and you are someone with a different set of life experiences, and you have something interesting to talk about for a few minutes, we want you to get in touch about a guest segment. Email podcast at tro.bike or hit the website for other ways to place electronical signals into our brain cavities. Hey everybody, I'm Robin Dean. And I'm Travis Burleson. And this is the Riding Obsession Podcast. You can visit us online at theridingobsession.com on the internet global high web network dot. The information superhighway. This week's episode is sponsored by Grip and Ride. Grip and Ride is an action sports passenger belt. It's basically a set of exterior handles attached to a textile weight belt, which provides both lower back support and passenger security. Learn more about the product at www.grip-n-ride.com. That's gripandride.com. And now, onto the show. It's been a long time, man. It's time for us to actually get into a real rhythm. Yeah, but definitely now that it's almost kind of sort of warm enough to be riding again in the Midwest. So how was your week? Uh, it was good. Well, we, um, you know, we met up yesterday on a Wednesday in uh, Waterford, the sort of halfway point between Chicago and Madison. Yeah, not the best start, but at least we got to ride. Yeah, the weather forecast was much more promising than the weather turned out to be. It called for like <laughs> low 50s and sunshine and end up being in the mid 40s with gray, dark skies and a little spit of rain here and there. Did you get rained on on the way back home? I just like the littlest spit, like, uh, yeah. wait, is there, yep, on my visor and just wipe it off and I didn't yeah. get, I wasn't wet, but. Enough to say this is not the forecast we anticipated. Yeah, to, enough to like just, just rub it in that it's 40 degrees and I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got the Bike Master heated grips, put them on my 1994 Honda CB1000 big one. Uh, Toro El Blanco. No, El Toro Nero. El Toro Nero. <laughs> yeah, the black bowl. Like uh, how do you say rust in Italian? Can I say El Toro Rusto? <laughs> El Toro needs a new set of steering head bearings and the, the, valve adjustment toe. And well, the valves are good. I checked the valves. Yeah, I was just picking that out of the air. It, uh, it uh, does need some paint, but I kind of like it, like kind of dirty because uh, I you don't have to like wash it. Like if I wash it, it's not going to look clean because it's because the paint's all faded and <laughs> and and hazed and there's scratches on the engine covers. So I I just you know hose it down. We should just jacket the entire thing in primer. Bedliner man. Bedliner all the way. Bedliner special. Bedliner is the post two thousand primer. It's a fix all. You got scratches. <laughs> you got dings and nasty paint. Just sand it and hit it with bedliner. I actually just recently did that to two parts for our Hawk GT. I'm happy I did so. 
believe it or not. It looks better than it would have otherwise. Well, that's what I did, you know, on the on my BMW, I did the heat shields on the uh, muffler and the uh, little plastic insert guys in the black Rust-Oleum spray-on bedliner. It looks great cuz it gives you that textured, especially on like plastic parts, and I did durability that. effect. Yeah, and they're super durable. I haven't had any issues with them even with the heat on the um exhaust uh muffler heat shields. I think yeah. the general rule is everything in moderation. Yeah, I don't know about doing a whole bike in it. Because it, it gives you that textured sort of plastic look. and um, But yeah, I did the headlight can on the big one and the crash bars I got from French Craigslist. Here you go. Here's the two parts I did. So this is the headlamp attached, whatever the rim is that goes around yeah, the headlamp. Yeah, the, the surround bezel for the headlight. Yep, that actually comes in chrome because I replaced the headlight for our Hawk GT uh, with that of a Honda 919 and the bezel it, it comes in chrome so i was like that doesn't quite look as good as the stock headlamp did and now it's all right and plus the and also the uh the, the gauge cluster surround yeah it needed it it was just not looking right so yeah that's what i do well, i did i did the whole can and the and the surround bezel for my uh headlight on the big one but it was it was chrome but it was rusty chrome and now it's just a nice textured black <laughs> looks a little better yeah yeah it looks looks because like you know getting it re-chrome would cost me an arm and a leg, you know, why would yeah. I do that? <laughs> so just hit it with a little sandpaper, clean up the rust a bit, and hit it with some bedliner. And a nice texture, texture hides the scratches and, and dents and where the, the chrome had bubbled from the rust and looks good. And it's black, yeah. and, the, and the bike's black, so it, it all blends in. That bike looks good. When I saw it at Docks on the Fox, it, the bike is looking in better shape because it's owned by Travis Burleson, plain and simple. The bike is now owned by Travis Burleson. That's a blessing to the bike. Yeah, next time we uh, get together and the weather's decent, you got to take her out for a spin and see what you think about uh, how she rides now that I did the carbs and finally got the carbs back together and actually working right because it, it's running better than it was when I bought it. Yeah, I took the took the BMW out for a rundown uh, today. Which is for sale, everybody. Which that is bike's for sale. sale. Yep. Check Anybody out. wants to buy that bike? Craigslist or Cycle Trader. Riding Obsession validated motorcycle from here to Portland and back maintained steadily with absolute, the utmost care. Yep, and um, took it out and just did a good 100 and, what did I do, 110 miles today. Shake down and got her hot and run out and did an oil change when I got back. So she's ready to, ready to go, ready for the next person to take her over. Ready for 2016 with somebody else, yeah? Yep, just got to find the uh, the person. I've been getting those. I got another one of those calls from, um, what do they call themselves? Once ridden. Yeah. We noticed that you're selling a motorcycle. Our Borgian robot has called you to inform you that we may be able to help if you just pay us this one time fee of $8,000. Yeah. Well, the guys, uh, they called me again and he said it was like 200 bucks and I don't, I've never heard of this company. I don't know if any of the listeners have heard. If you've if you've used once driven and had a good story, let us know. Should that be the case? Yeah. Just call us up. 224 358-3010. That's 224-358-3010. And what's the name of the company? They said it's called Once Driven, and they said for $200, they'll guarantee my motorcycle gets sold. So let's look at it this way. If, if they really do that, then that's great. If they don't really do that, and they're employing motorcyclists, let's all help each other out. Call our number, let us know what you know about this company, and tell us your experience with them. We'd like to know. Yeah, I don't know how they'd guarantee. I guess if it doesn't sell in a month, then they give you your money back. I don't know how they guarantee that the bike will sell. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah three years later it sold. See, it worked. 
the real question also is, do they know how to calculate the exact figure that they're going to need to ask to give you exactly what it is you want for the bike? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's the hidden fees question. Yeah, I don't know what the model is or if it's a real company. It could just be some dude. <laughs> Right. I mean, I've never heard of it. You'd think a company like this that's calling me and and soliciting me, despite the fact that any of my postings about the bike specifically request that there's no solicitation about it. Right. Um, you'd think I would have came come across them in like the AMA magazine or Motorcyclist or MCN or any other publication. What's the name of your company again? Uh, me. I'm I'm Fred. Uh, you know, Fred. You know, my name's Fred. It's a company's called Fred. So, you know, you give me a couple hundred bucks, I'll sell you a bike for you. What, what do you want? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I could. I should Google them and see if there's at least a website, you know. Sure. But no harm, no foul. I mean, they contacted you. You owe them nothing yet. It always goes straight to voicemail. comes through yeah. as an unknown number. And usually I'm, I don't even because my cell service is really terrible in my house. So I don't even get the call. I just get the voicemail. <laughs> How was your it, week? What did you do? It was great. I got out on the Bandit both yesterday and today. I rode the entire route today, got her legs running. You know, she's warmed up. She feels pretty good. I even got out on my wife's scooter just to make sure it was in decent operation. Other than that, I know you remember talking about this. I'm trying to prepare like a workout regimen so I can get back in shape. You know, I'm not getting any younger. It used to be easier. So now I'm looking at an already healthy diet. My wife's a great cook. She watches out for me. You know, though perhaps with less drinking, maybe, because the winter's over, you know. And then um, body weight workout, which involves no need for me to have any equipment. It's all just CIA style. Other than that, the Hawk GT has begun to do everything we'd hoped it would. I love that bike. Ever spin now? That yeah. The, well, we should talk. The, we should talk about that because I came down there and we took the uh, took the carbs off. Yeah, man. When you spotted the just one simple thing, now that the carburetor jets are in their proper locations, the the Hawk GT has uh, mismatched sizes for the carburetor jets. I imagine because it has a gallop to it. You were saying it's got kind of a but up but up but yeah, up to so it. Yeah, so it's a different size main jet for the front cylinder versus the rear cylinder. Right, so the genius and go-to faithful mechanic of the previous owner had mismatched those, as well as a couple other things that were not where they needed to be. And uh, as a result, I was wondering why at track day, there I am on the final curve at Audubon Raceway there in Joliet. I'm gunning it through what is really called a trick curve. If you're riding, I believe, the south track, the final turn before the straightaway, it looks like it's multiple turns. It's one turn, so I'm gunning it. I know this. I know this. I'm gunning it, and then here comes... Uh, fellow author for the site Joe Nardi on my outside on Aprilia Shiver and just ble- no wait I'm sorry he had already sold the Shiver he had a, a Dursadoro 1200 uh, 1200 yeah Dursadoro 1200 just blazes by me on the outside and I'm pegging this thing going maybe 65 miles an hour just ramming the revs as high as they can go getting all kinds of backfires so thanks to you spotting that one little mismatched yin yang effect the bike is now it's it's powerful man it's a boss i ref- i say that a lot it's the bike just feels like a boss now it, it doesn't matter how fast i'm going doesn't matter what gear i'm in if i turn the throttle it says i'm gonna do my best and then yanks my shoulders out of their sockets which is great so you know it, even though it's a belated winter project we're kicking through all sorts of mods in preparation for long distance rides uh this bike is essentially my wife's sport tour at least for 2016 after that we might look harder like an fz6 but the plan is to get this thing happy, get it some luggage, get it ready for a long-distance tour, make sure that it's comfortable enough to go around Lake Michigan without failing us. And lo and behold, it's a Honda and all those things you picked out that I picked out, in good shape. 
There's there's still the matter of the little Honda 250 though. So my wife's starter bike is a Honda Nighthawk 250, and it's up for sale by the way. That's up for sale. You know we'll need to repair it. Uh, the flywheel slash crankshaft. Um, basically the the it wasn't torqued down properly, and the key for the flywheel marred everything up. And some people told me that I should drill again, and that didn't make any sense to me until yesterday when I realized that I could drill for the flywheel key further in or outside of the shaft itself before filling in the damage section. That's uh, that's everything I'm up against, man. Other than that, it's just dealing with our puppy Gypsy. Gypsy, Gypsy, Gypsy. The pee machine. The pee machine. She's a pee-pee beast. She's pee-pee-pooper. Yeah, which brings us, okay, so that's, that's your week, that's my week. On to updated site features and developments. I'll make this quick. The navigational overhaul of the site is now complete. It's more well-rounded. It's It's better... It's better balanced for the sport touring mindset or the long distance, be it dirt or paved, doesn't matter. The whole spectrum of the navigation has been taken care of. I keep chipping away at the weather page, which continues to get better and more informative. We've set that up so that it prioritizes daylight conditions. So from sunrise to sunset, where exactly at what time does the high temperature take place? Is that high temperature outside of your comfort zone? If so, divide the day by three and then set a beginning section and an end section where you might like to ride, be it in the morning or in the evening. And then lastly, our camping checklist, much more streamlined, way lighter, lighter gear, better organized. I used to have stuff like that battery operated inflatable mattress, (laughs) even though it was a single person, even still that thing was lead. So stuff like that out the door. That's it. Take it away, Travis. I'm still slogging my way through Zen in the Art. <laughs> so it's it's gotten a little bit better. It's still just about you know philosophy. That book's work. It's a good book, man. He's I'm not good. gonna let you. There, I'm there, not gonna let you tell me otherwise. He got into something that was good. Oh, there was a really great article in the back of MCN. This the most recent uh, issue of MCN. Uh, about it was like a, just like the psychology of writing and and why writing makes you happy and how to be how to deal with being either overworked or underworked you know if if you your day-to-day rigmarole is either just way too stimulating and high stress or way under stimulating and how like your hobbies kind of help balance that out and i thought that was a really good article i'm not sure if you read that i've not was this from the one with the cover of the v twins uh the cover with the weird french bike on it i think I did read that one on an airplane on my way to Vegas from a mother's 75th birthday. Um, but yeah, so there's that. There's uh, me selling the BMW, want to get a dual sport, kind of looking around. It's it's tough, though, because I'm looking at the stuff that's for sale now, and it does it's not necessarily going to be for sale once I sell the BMW and have cash to buy a dual sport. Sure. I'd really like a DR350, um, but they're a little hard to come by in, in, in demand because they're, they're a great compromise between... A an underpowered 250 and an overweight, you know, 600 650 bike. 650 is not bad. It's just heavy. It's heavy. Okay. Yeah, and the the other bike I was looking at a lot was the KLR, the old KLR 250. Which um, the more I look into it, the more interesting it is. It's kickstart only, but it's a 250. Yeah. And, and I guess it's basically the same architecture as the engine that Kawasaki use in a lot of their quads. Okay. So you can just swap out a lot of those quad parts and get off-road, unregulated performance out of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, you know, you can take off the, the, the road emissions cams and put on the off-road cams from a quad. Or yeah. I guess you can even kind of, you can do a full engine swap or just swap like the jug and the head and some, you know, the piston and stuff and make it like a 300 that they made uh, in a quad, uh, put in a quad bike that was the same basic motor just in like a 300 or a 310. A joke, but all of this sounds very Travis Burlsonian. Well, now that I've taken one engine apart, it's... <laughs> you know oh, those are, that's a toy engine for you oh and a single single cylinder super easy yeah that'll be nothing what are you working on there you got your at the very moment what i'm working on is i've got the speedometer there were some nuts and bolts that had basically come loose fallen apart cracked stripped shredded you know just age basically and so i've cleaned everything up and in order to upgrade this bike to led a lot of hondas have running lights up front does your cb1000 have running lights up front yeah the cb1000 is running lights so there's a, a dual filament bulb in the front signals and right. um yeah and it, and it runs and then when you flick it it turns off one element and flashes the other well there's something to do with the grounding of that that's how it knows which one is being signaled is it grounds out to, if it grounds out one way that means the left signal if it grounds out another way that means the other so I don't know how they arrange their circuitry, but I went through the hoops of simply following somebody else's instructions that have panned out very well. Uh, a lot of Hondas do this, so the running lights will be gone, and I'm okay with that. It's going to be a little bit more generic in that the LED signals will work properly now that we have an LED-compatible blinker for the signals, but the system had to be changed up where what was the left signal is now a ground, what was the right signal is now a diode. So those have been soldered in and uh, built up compatibility. So what I'm, I'm, all I'm trying to get through tonight on two glasses of wine and a beer is to put on the properly colored shrink wrap tubing so that I am being that much more kind to the next owner, however far down the line. So what was blue must be green. What was blue must be orange, this and that. That's what I'm working on. Yeah, that's the uh, the problem with the, the – if you have um – a single indicator bulb on the dash for your turn signals and you put led lights all around even if you put in a an electronic relay for the flashing signal mm -hmm. the the flash will bleed it'll bleed through because there's so much less resistance in your led signals it'll bleed through the indicator bulb and and when you flick it whether you do it left or right it'll just flash all four signals without that diode in there to to uh, mitigate the bleed through I see. So what exactly would you tell a noob such as myself, what does a diode do? Uh, a diode is essentially a one-way for electricity. So it can't get back through. It can't get, it's gated. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. it, so it's, you know, because electricity just kind of flows through wherever it, it flows through. And if it, it meets resistance or, and it can do work if there's resistance, but if, uh, if there's not enough resistance, it'll just keep flowing through. Yeah, now with LEDs, that can be quite the issue since they require so little voltage. It's not exactly helping the problem. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot less resistance on them. But LEDs, the D in LED is a diode too. So do you have uh, do you have LED lights in the gauge cluster? They are not LED. They are the other. <laughs> Incandescent. Incandescent. That's what I was. I'm glad that I could help you f learn something new about light bulbs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I always kind of. I'm not sure. I'd have to do some more research on that. But I, I really wonder if replacing the indicator bulb with a, an LED, if the you know the diode nature of the 
bulb would rectify the bleed through without the uh, requirement of inserting an inline diode externally? I can't invalidate that question. What I can say is that the one guy who was crafty enough to come up with the solution that I am implementing brought in an even more influential person on the forums who knew electrics better enough to say that if you're going to maintain the running lights, you need to do this and that. And he did everything LED. So he actually came up with a separate circuitry system that allows you to have the LED signals and the LED runners and on and on and on. Uh, he was the one that uh, he, everything on his bike is LED and his circuit diagram was a lot more. No, what Travis just said does not work. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I mean, like I said, I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm not hundred percent on that with the, uh, the big one. I do have the LED headlight and then I have LED, LED lighted hand guards mm. that are effectively running lights. And, but I just tied those into the running light circuit uh, that runs into the signals so that and then those are still incandescent bulbs in the actual signal housing itself so yeah just with the with the big one too i'm, I'm at that point of even though it's going to be my main bike i guess when if i sell the bmw uh you know it's old and it's ugly and i don't have to care about it as much remember and, i was just telling you at the bar uh yesterday that if that bike you know it's one of those bikes where and you know this. You, you're the one that actually taught me this, is that that's one of those bikes where you could pretty much have it until you were dead. And we're not that old. You know, it's just that simple. If you wanted to maintain it, simple as it gets. You know, I, I, there was a time when I was worried about my ability to work on the four-cylinder, the Bandit being a, a half-fared bike, an air-cooled, oil-cooled, inline parallel four. It doesn't get much easier than that, you know. That's the way to go. So that's one of those bikes where if you wanted to, you could just stuff it in the corner. And then like after you get the bike you want, you could pull that out and just be like, do-do-do-do-do, I'm kind of bored. Oh, what do you know? This thing still works and I can still ride it. Yeah, exactly. I'd say the only thing simpler is probably the Buell Blast. Ah, uh, yes. That thing's a tank. Yeah. <laughs> one cylinder, one carb. Really the only thing remotely complicated about it is the automatic choke where you can bypass that or put on a different carb. Well, the bike with a Harley engine, who needs a dentist? Yeah, well, this other thing, too, is it's it's a Sportster 12, uh, well, probably like a Sportster 883 engine mm. with a cylinder lobbed off and then bored out, uh, you know, 500 cc's. So that transmission's made to take twice as much power as it's getting. <laughs> that transmission will never break. The big Harley primary, you know, the separate, the transmission's separate from the rest of the engine. It can like, take a whooping. Yeah, it'll just, you'll never break, you'll never break that bike. And it's, uh, I don't know, part of me kind of wants, if I want to really get like a, an around town runner that's a street only bike, not a dual sport, mm-hmm. I kind of want to get another, a, another blast just because they're, they're fun. They're stupid. They're fun to ride. <laughs> this episode of the Riding Obsession podcast brought to you by Grip and Ride, which is an action sports passenger belt. The Grip and Ride is basically a set of exterior handles attached to a textile weight belt, which provides both lower rider back support and passenger security. Learn more at www.gripandride.com. That's www.grip-n-ride.com for more information. Sight-inspired topics from written articles. And Travis, you just packed a wallop of an article with your... Topic of considering the middleweight sport tourer. What do you got to say about that, huh? Uh, well, yeah, I think the industry hasn't 
The industry's a clue? Gone, the industry's gone away from middleweight. I mean, just the the bikes have just continued to get bigger and bigger. Bikes that were, you know, a, a thousand cc's twenty years ago became eleven hundred, became twelve hundred, became thirteen hundred. It's the SUV mentality, man. They're trying to outdo one another. Yeah, and there's this sort of arms race going <laughs> on, and and in the in the process, the the sport tourer um, has become more of a tourer. It's become a yacht. Yeah, you know, if you look at something, if you you know, if you just look at sport sport touring on any of the manufacturers' websites, you get bikes like the ST thirteen hundred, the FJR thirteen hundred, the Concourse fourteen hundred, the BMW K sixteen hundred, or R twelve hundred. Now, are these bad bikes? No, right. But, but they're big bikes. They're huge. Um, and really, I think, uh, and I, I made the point of it on the the site of the on the article. Um, I mean, BMW does have the F800 GT. Great bike. Or the way, F- the way overpriced. Well, it's a BMW. Yeah. Um, and no one else really has. There's one other that was kind of. Oh, the the Versus is the only other like sport touring. The 650 Versus LT comes with bags and a windscreen and is comfortable. So that's the. Um, those are the only bikes really in that over 500, under a thousand cc segment that are really coming with luggage. And like, uh, there is like the Ducati um, Hyper Hyper Motard, I think, that comes with kind of bags, but nothing else is really in the segment. Definitely nothing like the ST1300, the FJR, that come kitted out fully with hard bags and windshields and a comfortable riding position. So, um, well, I don't know. The FJR isn't even all that comfortable from what I've heard. It's beautiful, and it's, it handles like a sport bike. And it can do the long distance, but the pegs—they're high. If you're if you're even slightly taller than I am, that's the, your your femur is going to be parallel to the ground. So that and that and that just leaves—you know—there are mid-sized bikes out there. Kawasaki just came out with a new Z800, but it's kind of a naked bike, unlike the old Z750, which had a half fairing, more like the Bandit. But then there's there's some fully fared bikes with comfortable riding positions, and that's sort of what we talked about—the Ninja 650, the Yamaha FZ6R. Uh, as a full fairing with a standard riding position. But that's become the norm now, I think. I like the idea of... I, I never would have said it when I first got my Bandit. I think when I got my Bandit, I thought, I hope someday I can get a real sport tourer. And now I've got my Bandit, which is a pretty proud bike. And I think to myself, I like the conversions better than I like the dedicateds. The conversions allow you to pick the bike that suits you in its default nakedness of sorts you know half fairing even a fully naked bike and then you can modify it to suit for a fraction of the sum of dedicated sport tours that are oftentimes painful to ride yeah exactly i think there's um you, know, you can take that uh you can take an fc6r or a uh, gsx 650f even though they don't come as touring bikes from the factory per se you can easily add put those add-ons to them to make them comfortable touring bikes and not have to haul around an extra 300 pounds of bike. I mean, you don't have, you know, 1400 cc's of power, but when do you use it? You know, I mean, <laughs> if you're really going to just interstate slab it, why are you buying a sport bike? Good point. You know, you, I mean, you can get a Goldwing or you can get something that's going to be actually way more comfortable. I mean, I guess if like you're doing, if you want the option, you have the money, but if you're really focused on taking the the scenic and twisty route 
I really think, you know, taking a, a middleweight bike is going to be lighter and more nimble and outfitting it to take the stuff that you need to take along. Um, you know, and Gerard talks about that a lot in his article. He's the one that wrote our history of sport touring on the site. Yeah, and I really think that's kind of the way to go. I mean, and, and even, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago, it was just, you know, motorcycles. And then you, I guess more than that now, because it's 2000, it's 20, 25 years ago, you know, motorcycles are motorcycles and you put bags on them and a windshield on them and then they were touring motorcycles. The Vetter, the Vetter fairing. Oh, geez. that's a whole different thing, the Vetter windjammer. But I think that's uh, that's that's something to consider. You know, if, if you want to do sport touring, you don't have to spend $20,000 on a bike that's ready-made as a, you know, quote-unquote sport tour. You can get a, a sporty, comfortable bike and add the touring factors to it. Especially, you know, if you start in the used market or... You know, even then, in these 600, 750, 800cc bikes are thousands of dollars less than their 1,200cc, 1,300cc displacement counterparts. Not to mention lighter. And lighter. And then you take that extra money and you put on some aftermarket bags and a windshield, get a seat made, heated grips, and you got a a comfy bike that you can actually back out of a parking lot. It's almost like we're taking back hip hop. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, nah, let's do this. Let's do this home style. Let's do this old school. Make this work. Do it the way we used to. You know, like we invented stuff that made sense, that suited its purpose, and cost far less. And now, as much as I love the genre, or I might be more of a phylum that is the sport touring phylum. Yeah, because you got dirt, you got street. It's like it's a lot more fun to just buy the bike that you just love the bike for the bike. And then build it into your bike. That's always, I, I've taken great pride in, in doing that. Which brings me to one of the things I wrote about, which was the Tracker. It's an upstart company that provides GPS tracking for anything just about in the entire world. But it just happens to be really good as a low jack for your motorcycle. It's uh, If you have a physical security system, such as like the A-Bus locking mechanisms, it's a German company, and the Tracker, which is a pretty cheap i mean it's affordable little stick on low jack system then uh yeah i mean you really have better security then than otherwise there are other low jack systems that cost 150 some odd dollars this thing i think costs between 20 and 50 dollars between depending on which one you get comes in black blue rose gold different colors all that stuff things about the size of a half dollar it's just one way to reliably secure your bike in case anything should ever happen to it i know that living in chicago and, you know, every now and then I get a little bit worried about my motorcycle, depending on where I parked it. Luckily, I had a garage, and then I worried about the garage getting broken into, on and on and on and on. So this is one solution I came up with that I kind of like. I'm going to order one, see if I can get them to send us a few. Once again, for this podcast, we've had no listener questions. So I'm going to put this out there. This is a podcast. We record it. If you ask us the question, we will research it. We will come up with the most logical, sensible answer. We will weigh it against one another's opinions. We'll come up with a conclusion, and we will discuss it for you online with credit to you for having asked it. All you have to do is call 224-358-3010. 224-358-3010. And if you know us personally, don't call that number. Is there also an email someone can send a question to, Robin? Podcast at theridingobsession.com. On the inter-global web net. I'm going to go ahead and sip this beer again. And if we can't, uh, you know, research or find a reasonable answer, we'll make one up. But we'll let you know we made it up before we give it to you. 
Yeah, and that just gives us that much more ammunition to make sure it's entertaining. Now, as for this this episode's route planning, I'll tell you something. I, I just need advice. Where will my wife and I travel to this year? We are We go on an annual trip. So last year, my wife and I, two up, we rode south into Tennessee, and then that took us through Kentucky. We ended up in North Carolina, rode the Blue Ridge Parkway all the way north, and had an astoundingly good time. So now it's just a matter of where do we want to go this year? Now, Travis isn't going to get to go with me on this May trip, but he does plan on going with me to the Ozarks, which will be fantastic. I'm sure he will never experience anything that good. He's never seen anything like that. So the question becomes, where am I going? So (laughs) here's what we've looked at. We've looked at Colorado, but I had to warn Margaret Dean, also an author for the site. She writes for the site too. She just wrote about the Grippen ride, and that's going to be posted soon. She and I talked about Colorado, which I've told her about what you and I experienced. We had to go through, you know, you had to go to Des Moines. You had to end up in Kearney. Took three to get, three days. There's a lot of flat between here and there. There's a ton of flat. There's a ton of stink, you know, so you basically ride. What what did we say? You rode to the silo where you made a right, then you rode to the next silo. You made another left. Those left, the, the angles of these turns were about, eh, 170 yeah. degrees. Yeah, you could see you basically the the highway we were on because we, we stayed off the freeway it was just a flat straight line that followed the railroad. You could see a grain silo on the horizon. You beeline to the grain silo. You kind of wiggle through this little town, and then you see a grain silo on the horizon. <laughs> you beeline <laughs> to the grain silo, and then you hit this little town, and then you slow down. You wiggle through the little town, and then you see a grain silo on the horizon. Now, was Colorado worth it? Oh, man, was it ever. I mean, route what was it, Route 6? It was just switchback after switchback after sweeper after sweeper. Amazing ride in Colorado. Yeah, we, so, we took um, Route 40, Highway 40, over the Berthold Pass into Steamboat Springs, if that's the one you're thinking of. That's where we found the snow caps? Yeah, that was where we got up to, like, the tree line there. Sure. Well, but my remember, point being is that that's option the one. River was, the Melt River was coming down, and it was... Yeah. That's only the first option. Colorado. We also thought about Memphis. Maybe ride that direction because that's not something that is on the resume yet for the site. We've covered the Pacific Northwest. We've gone to the Southeast. This would be the general South, the heart, America's heartland. Go down to Memphis, maybe check that out because we're considering a big move at some point. It's right on the border of, um, right on the border of Arkansas. Yeah, we're riding in all yeah, directions. I mean, you got the hills, and that's all hill country through there. And then you could even jump, uh, jump over a little bit and catch the uh, west side of the Appalachians. I like this plan a lot. The only thing we've considered against that is something that's more localized. In which case, she'd be able to ride the Hawk GT. That would be a much modified version of the Lake Michigan Circle Tour, all yeah. the way around. But it'd be twisty, 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 twisty. Yeah, find some a couple of the good UP roads though. Not all oh, of them yeah. are that good. On the uh, if you stay at to the western edge of the UP, the middle of the UP is pretty flat. Well, good friend Kevin Mulcahy, fellow Madisonian such as yourself, he mentioned a particular highway that runs a little bit north of the UP. I mean, well, it's part of the new UP, but it's north of the lake. He was yeah, suggesting that we US should do that. Two. Yeah, the US two is pretty boring if you just take US two around the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, like well, they have like the Porcupine Mountains and stuff in the western upper peninsula yeah i think it'll definitely become more boring once we reach what is it southern michigan on the way back that but still it'll be pretty that's when we'll hit the actual lake part up until that point i want it to be curvatures 
If you, yeah, if you follow if you follow the lakeshore, it's not so bad. If you go down like the gut of Michigan, it's soybeans and corn. But if you actually follow the lakeshore, it's 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 interesting enough. So it, of those three, which ones do you like best? Well, I mean, I think it'd be cool to have Margaret ride with you instead of on the back, you know? So you think like Michigan Circle Tour with twisties? Yeah, I think that'd be a fun ride. I mean, otherwise, I mean, you could do out west. It's just you got to do that slog to get out there. This wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that you might be able to join us for a short stint of it. No, I mean, I just, I was just thinking, like, what would I like to do if it was even remotely possible that Laurel and I would have time off during the summer together? You know, I think I'd like to have her ride her own bike and enjoy it that way, if possible. So what you're saying is that you hate having your wife ride on the back of the bike? Yes, that's that's you. You read you read through my ruse completely, Robin. <laughs> I can't put anything past you. <laughs> laser laser brain let me make sure let's see here do i have this thing straight on i believe this thing is just about as straight on as i can get it yep robin's fixing his gauges with super glue or gorilla glue gorilla glue for just this one mod so i don't know what they call this kind of screw where it's got a perforated edge around the head and it's molded into the plastic i needed to take it to the hardware store so i went ahead and bored it out and said, here's what I'm trying to design, a fake version of this, because one of them has been stripped, and, well, we actually came up with a solution. So now I've got the old one glued back into place, which will be far more secure than it was, you know, then then uh, it's going to be fine. The other one, on the other hand, is improvised, so it needs to be Gorilla glued into place. Did I JB weld? No. Why? Because Gorilla glue. These don't get any torque. They take cap nuts, and all they do is they hold the cluster together. I'm not worried about it. And you shouldn't be either, sir. You know why? Because beer. And what beer? Are you drinking the Edmund Fitz? Is that the stuff that I bought when I was there, or did you get another? Uh, I've got another one. And that brings us to our closer remarks and final sponsorship message. This episode of the Writing Obsession podcast was brought to you by Grip and Ride. Grip and Ride. (laughs) Grip and Ride is an action sports passenger belt. The Grip and Ride is basically a set of exterior handles attached to a textile weight belt, which provides both lower back support to riders as well as passenger security learn more at www.grip-n-ride.com grip and ride <laughs> so closing remarks this has been a great podcast it's good to get back on our feet we should probably do this every week we're trying to shoot for every wednesday i've come up with three new platforms that i hope that we'll implement one is what we're doing right now, where I now have over-the-ear headphones and a mic. I can work on my bikes while we're chatting about whatever we're chatting about. Another option that I hope we'll put to use is riding to Waterford, which is the sort of the halfway point between Madison and where I'm at. Mine's yep. a little bit longer just in terms of no, mine's, twistiness. Mine's yours longer. Is, yours is longer in terms of miles. I made mine longer because of finding something interesting to ride. Yeah, it takes me, if I take the twisty route, it takes me like two and a half hours. Are you complaining? Yeah, a little bit. When it's 40 degrees out and spitting rain, yeah. <laughs> was, was it 40 degrees yesterday? I felt like it. It felt like it. All right, there's, I'll give no, there's certainly no sun and there was wind. The third tech that we might like to put to use is the next time you and I take a ride, we will have audio documentation of the intercoms while we ride the twisties wherever we're at. That might be fun. We can figure, that would be a good time. If we can, if we can figure that out. I, I learned something that I wish I did not have to learn, and that's that I am definitely 41. I learned that I am out of shape. My fire hose material pants no longer fit properly, so to ride comfortably, I have to leave. Well, 
to ride comfortably with the thermals still in them, I have to unbutton the top button. Yeah, my uh, my stuff all still fits good, but um, yeah, definitely the the big one could use a custom seat because I rode the uh, the Beamer today, and I got that nice custom seat for it. And man, well, you know, because you have a you have a seat guy seat too. It makes yeah, all, I do. It makes yeah, all I do. The, it makes all the difference. I mean, the the stock seat on the Honda is not terrible, but it's twenty something years old. Now, who's the seat guy? John Ravilla, the seat guy at the John seat Ravilla. guy. The seat guy Doesn't he have a website? Yeah, so now he owes us 50 bucks a man, or yeah. at least a good case of beer. Yeah, or like maybe he'll do my Honda seat for, you know, 150 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Um, anyway, yep, that's about it. Don't Very uh, good. Don't underestimate stretching before the season starts. You think you got to, like, you spend time in the garage getting the bike ready? Get yourself ready because it'll make a difference. So this has been the Riding Obsession Podcast. For theridingobsession.com, I'm Robin Dean. I'm Travis Burleson. Safe travels, everyone.